I'm Lucy. And I'm Mandy. And we are two fertility nurses who bring you WTF, a podcast about all things fertility that everybody expects you to know, but nobody teaches you about. A safe space to laugh, learn, cry, share stories, and most likely have a few WTF moments. This is What the Fertility. Hi guys, welcome to our first episode. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is basically going to be an introduction to us and why we started the podcast. Yeah, I think it's super important to get to know us, how we got here, as you said, why we wanted to start the podcast and a little bit of background about our nursing careers as well. It's always good to hear about, I think. (laughs) So you can go first, Mandy. Sure. (laughs) Hi, I'm Mandy. I am 34 years old. I'm 35 in August. I'm originally from Adelaide. I have a sister and two stepbrothers. I have a partner, Chris, who is a performance analyst and also a photographer on the side. We've been together for five years mm-hmm. and we have a little fur baby, Tokyo. <laughs> you do. <laughs> she's an Italian greyhound and she's currently going through a lot of separation anxiety at the moment, which is hard, but yeah. <laughs> um, she's very cute. I'm sure we'll put a photo up on our Instagram at some yeah. stage. I moved over from Adelaide in 2019, right before COVID to be with my partner, Chris. It's been a whirlwind because I was only here for six months before the world changed. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Melbourne. Welcome to Melbourne. <laughs> um, so I moved over and at the same time, he actually got taken away into the hub for football. Yeah. So I was on my own for over three months, which was hard. It would have been <laughs> awful. It would have been so full on being in a new city. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd been here before, but moving to a new city oh, and settling sure. down and then suddenly you were here to be with your partner who then was shipped taken out away. and taken away. <laughs> it was a lot. Did you have Tokyo then? No. Oh my gosh. So completely on my own. Yeah. There was yeah. no one in my 5K bubble. Oh no. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, I had the choice of either staying in Melbourne or going to the hub and not being out of work. So I chose to stay here and work. So I started my nursing career in orthopedics. I did that for quite some time. It's very backbreaking work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After that, I moved into cosmetic nursing where I did enjoy doing my own Botox for some time. <laughs> <laughs> so handy. <laughs> very impartial to a bit of Botox. Mm-hmm. And then I moved over here and I did cosmetic as well as casual nursing. And then I was on a ward doing gynecology, urology, and a bit of ortho. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I don't know, I didn't really enjoy the night duty aspect of things and I would get anxiety going to work. Seriously, um, it's the worst. One time I cried on the way to work. so I, <laughs> I think we've all been there. <laughs> Crying like, on the way to a night shift is a real thing for nurses. <laughs> really is. <laughs> So at that stage, I was like, what can I do? And vaccinations came up. So I moved into that, which I really enjoyed, except you did very long days of the same repetitive task. Yeah. So after that finished up, I was ready to leave nursing and was looking into other career paths. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking at applying to be a paralegal. <laughs> Which is so random. I didn't even know that until the other day. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> very random. It's very suits. <laughs> Wanted to be like Rachel from Suits. No, not really. I have always loved law. I find it very fascinating. And I thought maybe I could just be, you know, part of the investigative team. <laughs> Getting stuff ready for trials. Is that even a real word? <laughs> it is. Investigative 
journalism. <laughs> oh, true, 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 true. Play on. Um, so yeah, I, I looked into that, and I didn't actually go into that, but I was also on Seek at the same time. Yeah keeping an eye on jobs that came up in nursing to see if anything different kind of caught my eye and Mm. that's when I saw fertility nursing and I decided to apply for the job and Mm -hmm. got it there you go so it's been a whirlwind ever since (laughs) I absolutely love the job like it gives you highs and lows within the day Mm -hmm. but I absolutely love just being a part in people's journeys to having babies yeah it's it's sad but it's so exciting yeah and and rewarding very rewarding yeah and it's also yeah it made me think about my own fertility yeah definitely so I guess I myself am kind of looking into my own fertility and what that yeah being that you're 34 now (laughs) not to throw that in your face but (laughs) equality starts to decrease after 35 as we know in this job so I guess I am not sure if I want to have kids I don't know when I was younger I always thought I'd have kids by 18 Mm. which is (laughs) by 18 yeah I did when I was in primary school I was like I will be married and have a kid at 18 I at least had the time frame of like 25 maybe, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> 18, wow. Um, so that definitely did not happen. So <laughs> here we are. I think it has a lot to do with my mum passed away when I was 12 years old Yeah, and she was only 38 when she passed away and I am getting close to that age and sometimes yeah. it really scares me. Like I know what she had is not hereditary, mm-hmm. but I often think about if I was to get sick and leave my kids without a mum, like yeah. how hard that's been on me. So yeah. it definitely, sometimes I do second guess if I want kids yeah. and I know that's, it's a silly reason anyone can, you know, I could live a long life. And be completely fine, but it's definitely something that's always in the back of my mind. Yeah. And I come from a European family, so I am often asked every time I speak to some relatives when I'm having kids. It's definitely one of those things that I think about quite often, but I, yeah, I don't know where that's going to go. Um, Yeah. But it's something that I think knowing what I know in fertility, I would need to choose sooner rather than later (laughs) because I like I said egg quality does start to decrease after 35 and after 35 you are a geriatric pregnancy when you become pregnant and I think it's hard like it it's a pressure it is a pressure no nobody can really say otherwise it is a pressure that sits in the back of your mind realistically yeah as a woman we do have time pressures unfortunately (laughs) sucks but you know it's the reality of it so it's the reality So we'll see where that goes for me, but on to you. All right. Well, I'm Lucy. I'm 28, turning 29, also in August. (laughs) (laughs) I am born and bred in Melbourne, so I haven't really gone far. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the oldest of three. I have a sister and a brother and my mum and dad live just around the corner. So that's quite nice. My brother and sister are in the UK at the moment, traveling and living their best lives. Uh, So I'm an only child at the moment, which I am lapping up the attention. (laughs) Because being the oldest, you never get that much attention, I don't reckon. Never. (laughs) Not once the other two come along. No, absolutely not. I am currently single at the moment. So I'm living on my own with my dog, Winnie, who is a golden retriever. And everyone who knows me knows Winnie. I basically started my nursing journey, left school knowing that I wanted to do nursing. So that was handy. I started my course and then decided that I wanted to do ski seasons. So I went ski instructing and went from season to season, did winters for a long time and lived 
the best life. Like, would not change that for the world. It was the best <laughs> fun ever. <laughs> being very naughty and the rest of it but wouldn't change it for the world so I then eventually had to come home because the uni wasn't going to hold my spot anymore (laughs) mum and dad were like I think it's time (laughs) no they were great they would tell me to do whatever I wanted but I didn't want to let my nursing career go so I came back finished my course and then I got a grad year because in Melbourne that's the way it works when you finish your nursing course you then get put into a ballot for basically you interview at different hospitals well this is if you're going into the public system and you put down your preferences of those places that you've interviewed at and then they put down their preferences of the nurses that they want so I ended up getting my grad year in my dream job, which was so lucky. I got it at a children's hospital in Melbourne and it was probably the hardest year of my life. <laughs> That's a bit of an exaggeration, but well, maybe. <laughs> no, no, it was full was on. <laughs> Very full on. Basically just balancing shift working, working full time, living out of home, keeping up with your social life. It was a lot. Night shift. <laughs> yeah, night shift. <laughs> and I did not cope well with night shifts either. And I worked on a plastics, trauma, burns, orthopedics, general pediatric surgery ward. And we say in nursing that it's an acute ward, a very acute ward. So lots of patient turnover and some pretty sick patients as well. I worked there for about three years, roughly. And honestly, I loved it. I absolutely loved the work that I did. I then basically was working in that role and we went into COVID. Same thing as you. Any healthcare worker knows that COVID was a really intense time. I think, you know, we were lucky because we were leaving the house and going to work and getting to socialise with our working friends. But at the same time, it was very, very full on and exhausting as it was for everyone. But then basically when we came out of COVID, I just sort of hit this block where I was like, I don't really want to miss out on things anymore. And basically in nursing, that's just something that you have to do. You have to make the sacrifices. It's just part of the job. And it's things like picking out of the two, whether you want to go to Christmas Day or New Year's because you have to work one or the other and there's no option. You work one or the other, that's the way it is. So, you know, with nursing comes sacrifices, which everyone's happy to make, but after missing out on two years of life in general, I just couldn't fathom it. I couldn't fathom having to make those sacrifices. I knew I was right at the age where all of my friends were getting engaged and everything. And I just, yeah, I didn't want to miss out on those really fun times. And I just said, you know what? I think now's the time to start looking. So I just sort of left it up to fate a little bit. I always knew that I was maybe going to go into IVF nursing later on in life. I thought maybe when I had a family, because you work daytime hours, it would be a bit easier later on if I had kids and the rest of it but then yeah COVID happened and I thought you know what I'll have a look and turned out there was IVF clinics hiring I said to myself you know what if I get it I get it if I don't I don't I'll stay in my job I can always take time off to deal with the burnout and then I applied interviewed and I got the role so that was my entrance into the fertility world (laughs) which was a whirlwind I loved the fact that I didn't have to night shift anymore and then I've been in IVF nursing since 
I really do love it. It's a really rewarding job. At the same time, it is quite heavy, just emotionally and mentally, because as fertility nurses, we have to give the good news, the bad news, be there to support them, counsel them, every part of it. Uh, We are their main point of contact, really. They see their specialists to make their treatment plan and then at the clinic that I work at, we walk them through step-by-step every single part. And then basically, while I have been working in IVF, this other job came up, which sort of just fell into the palm of my hands. I don't even remember how I heard about it, to be honest. I think it was through someone else. But basically, I saw that the hospital that I used to work at was hiring for an onco-fertility role as a CNC, which is a clinical nurse consultant. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but it is like quite, <laughs> it is quite a high role. So I thought, you know, like I'm not going to get this, but hey, there's no harm in applying because it's a real niche, this role. There's not many people who have worked both in paediatrics and fertility. So I thought, hmm, this could actually work out in my favor basically applied and ended up getting that job I job share so I work one or two days a week in that role and then my other days I work at the IVF clinic so that makes up my full-time hours and the role that I do is I'm an onco fertility nurse so any of the kids who unfortunately have been diagnosed with a cancer before they undergo their treatment their chemotherapy or their radiation we step in before that happens and talk to them about ways that we can preserve their fertility from the treatment that they go through. We'll probably do a whole episode on it, so I won't dive too much into <laughs> it because it's it's a big topic, but super, super interesting and I've got a real passion for it. So that's been basically my two little loves put together in one job, which is quite nice because realistically, when I did move into IVF nursing, although I love it, there was a, definitely a big part of me that missed paediatric nursing and, and being with the kids and the hospital that I was at. There was a big part of me that was sort of missing, I think, and this was a really nice way to put those two together. And I just go in there one or two days a week and then I tap out when I'm feeling like it's a lot. (laughs) And it's a nice little balance because also the IVF world can be quite heavy as well, mentally and emotionally. The other thing I reckon we should touch on is how you and I met. (laughs) We haven't covered that. (laughs) We both started at the same IVF clinic. Lucy was there before I was. So (laughs) she's got more knowledge than I do. No. (laughs) And I guess one thing we should say as well is that to become an IVF nurse, you can't just come off the ward and know what you're doing. No, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, like it you come takes in a long time. Yeah, you to come learn. in with no base knowledge, realistically, because yeah. it's not something that you just learn generally in nursing. Like a lot of skills in nursing, you can take from wards to wards, exactly. and specialties to specialties. But IVF nursing is like a whole <laughs> other thing. It's like you've never nursed before. Yeah, literally. you're learning a new job. Yeah, literally, like, you had to learn it from scratch. And you know, we'll touch on it as well. But I didn't even know about my own cycle let alone anyone (laughs) else's cycle going into that role. So you feel really out of your depth. But yeah, so we started at the same clinic and we're actually not working at the same clinic anymore, but I know, (laughs) but that's all right. That's what uh, this is for because we still get to see each other (laughs) by doing this. We worked really closely in the same team and we were like this little powerhouse. Yeah. (laughs) No, we made a really great team and I think that the patients really felt that as well. So that's how we met and I think it's a funny thing with your friends in nursing because you go from really zero to 100 quickly. (laughs) 
<laughs> because I guess you just see each other in such a highly stressful environment that you just know whether it's going to work or not. <laughs> <laughs> and no topics are really off limits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you've seen each other at your very worst and also you've had to support each other through those times, but you also know when to just back off from each other. <laughs> Both cried at work. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> but yeah, we became great friends really quickly. Now we're doing this and I reckon that's a great lead into why we're doing the podcast. For so sure. Let's chat about that. So I guess the reason we started the podcast is because we saw a gap in knowledge relating to women's health and how lots of topics are not really spoken about. Yeah, I think that we noticed with our friends and family that nobody really knows about their cycle or about their own body, which is kind of scary in some ways. I think you and I both found it when we went into the fertility world. We had no idea about our own bodies and that's crazy to me. Well, it's crazy to me anyway. (laughs) And we're nurses. Everyone thinks that we know everything about the body and look, we had no idea. So, you know, if, if it's you and I, then it's probably other people too. And we did find that when we went and asked our friends and family, you know, this is what we're thinking of doing. Do you think it's a good idea? And everyone was like, oh my God, yes. Can you please talk about it? Because nobody knows where to go, right? Exactly. And I think especially I know, well, growing up in Melbourne, uh, that we get sex ed in year five or something when you're about nine or 10, which, you know, is very relevant at the time because we know that periods are starting earlier. That is a fact that we know for sure, but it gets brought up then and then no one ever speaks to you about it again. And no one teaches you about it is the other thing. Like I was talking to my 18 year old cousin and even they said, because I, I wasn't sure if, you know, maybe times have changed in schools now. I know it wasn't really a thing when we were back in school, but they said even now that they just don't get taught it. Nobody teaches you about it is exactly what they said without me even prompting them. So it's it's a super interesting conversation and we just want to open that space to start those conversations for sure. I guess we just wanted to have a platform where we can bring up topics and speak about things and have a safe place for people to discuss all things fertility. Yeah. Um, so not just IVF, um, pretty much everything. We want yeah. to you all the topics. Yeah. And also just a point of contact to go to find out information. That's or, and not answer. Google. <laughs> yeah. And answer the questions. And that's right. Exactly. That's not Google because Google can be so misleading. And our friends have us to go to. But what if you didn't? have that you know exactly and sometimes you can go to your gp and ask these questions but if they don't have a background in women's health sometimes you can not get the solutions that you wanted yeah for sure and with things like endometriosis on the rise and all the different diagnoses that you can get these days it takes a long time to get those answers and if you don't have the right resources put in front of you then it can seem almost impossible to try and figure out what's going on exactly So yeah, I think we just wanted to create that safe place and the platform to talk about all things fertility as we know, but also we want your guys' input and we'll be, you know, really active on the social media, (laughs) even though we don't know what we're doing with TikTok and stuff. Exactly. (laughs) It makes us feel very old. Um, Yeah, so we want to know what you guys want to hear about and yeah, just to start the conversations that we think aren't being spoken about. I think the other thing that is also really relevant is the ages that we're at as well. Yeah, being two different ages and at different stages of our lives. Like I'm 34 and, you know, need to figure out what happens from here. Yeah. And you. Yeah. And me being single and 30s knocking on the door, I always say. (laughs) But um, Thanks. (laughs) 
so sorry. You're not old. Come on. <laughs> um, no, but it's a funny thing because had you have asked me maybe like five years ago, I would have thought I would have had it all together. I would have thought <laughs> I was settling down with a partner by 20 whatever. <laughs> it's just not there. So <laughs> that brings about questions for myself in terms of things as simple as contraception all the way through to egg freezing and, and my options with that. But not only that, I think the most important thing is that we want to cover all the topics, not just the ones that are relevant to our age. We want to cover, you know, as I said, I was talking to my 18 year old cousin. We want to cover from puberty all the way through to menopause even just to make sure that there is just that place to go to find out the answers that you need to find out the other thing that we want to talk about was our fertility journeys quickly we just wanted to touch on that so you guys get a good picture of where we're at yep Uh, (laughs) it's been a year (laughs) yeah it has and it's it's a lot so we'll dive into that We have both been on a bit of a fertility journey ourselves already. I was on the pill for about 10 years. I came off it because I thought to myself when I went into IVF nursing, I don't know anything about my own cycle. And as I said earlier, you know, you sit there in IVF nursing asking these patients about how long their cycle is. Is it a full flow? Do you get spotting? How many days between your period? And I didn't know the answer to any of those questions about myself, which kind of freaked me out, to be honest. I was like, how can I not know this? All I know is a pill-regulated cycle. So yes, I could tell you how long my period went for or how many days between, but it was all pill-regulated. So it was I didn't know what my body was actually capable of doing or not doing on its own. And I realized then when I came off the pill that I had a very, very regular cycle. So basically I was getting my period at 32 days, then 51 days, then 40 days, then 44 days. And it was just all over the shop. And I really didn't know whether it was because I'd had COVID somewhere in the middle of that, or if it was just an irregular cycle. It's been long enough now that it's an irregular cycle. (laughs) (laughs) But what I suddenly remembered and it dawned on me was the reason that I went on the pill originally when I was 18 was because I actually had an irregular cycle then. And so I went to the GP. Well, first I went to my mum and I said, you know, mum, I never know when I'm getting my period. I get it one month. I don't get it another month. Then I get it two months in a row. Then I don't get it. And it's just really annoying me. And I just want to know when I'm getting my period. Mum, of course, was like, okay, well, look, I'm not going to say yes, go, go straight on it, but let's go to the GP and we'll talk to them about it. Anyway, so I went to the GP and basically told them that story over. I'm sure that the conversation would have come up about contraception as well at some stage. <laughs> and we need to be better safe than sorry at that age. But then it was never really questioned. I said that I had an irregular cycle and they were like, okay, well, we'll just put you on the pill. And now I look back at it and I'm like, how did they never question to investigate that further? Because what I'm now looking at is a situation where I'm pretty certain that I'm probably looking at at being diagnosed with PCO or PCOS and that could have been going on since then I could have had that forever and I just had no idea because the pill was masking it you know and that's great in itself 
for the reasons of it was keeping my skin clear and that sort of thing because that's one of the symptoms of PCOS but we'll go into that further in detail later on but I think it's been a great experience coming off the pill to learn about my body but it makes me frustrated because I just think how many other people is this happening to that they get whacked on the pill at 18 and you never really look back like I was on it for 10 years I didn't even think about coming off the pill until I couldn't answer those questions and I was getting to that time in my life where I wanted to know or you know my friends are coming off it because they're thinking about wanting to start families and that sort of thing it's just inconsistent I find like those poor 18 year olds or however old 16 year olds even who are getting put on the pill and they don't know any better I think it's just important that that conversation is had with them and don't get me wrong maybe some GPs are having that conversation with them and I don't know how it runs today but you know I think that it's important to have that base knowledge of knowing about your own body and your own cycle and knowing what options you have I think that's another big one is the options because often those aren't discussed either so for me I think I'm gonna take you on that journey because being single um, I'm not feeling (laughs) that confident with just being off the pill (laughs) Um, that's a lot in itself. So yeah, I want to explore that and see what my options are. And I will definitely take you along with that. We'll also dive into the PCO or PCOS side of things as well. But Mandy and I also, well, you came off the pill right around the same time as me. I think we were like a month apart. So we were comparing (laughs) cycles and we were like, oh my God, did you get your period today? No. Oh God, what's going on? (laughs) I guess I've been on the pill, I think. Think since I was 16 or 17, which is quite a long amount of time when I think about it now. I did decide to have a break when I was about 29. I'm not really sure why I decided to have a break, but I just thought it was nice to come off of it because you get sick of taking the pill every single day at the exact same time of day. And it costs a lot too. It does cost a lot, especially depending on what pill you're on. Yeah, mine costs like $70. I think I I was on that one at the time too. Yeah. Which was really good for controlling skin, but I was just like, you know what? I need a break. So I came off of it. Then didn't get my period for a year. So I went to the doctor to have a chat about what might be the problem. We did an internal ultrasound. There was supposedly nothing that came up. But isn't that so interesting though, that they are saying that everything's fine and you don't have a period. That's not normal. (laughs) It's a normal biological process to have a period and you're getting told there's nothing wrong yet you haven't had a period for a year. Exactly. That that doesn't add up. (laughs) It doesn't add up. Also at the time, because I was 29, I asked about doing a fertility check to check my AMH level, which we'll dive into at another time as well. It costs $90. And at the time, I didn't really want to part with $90. Yes. (laughs) So the form or the blood test referral sat in my car and I never did it. So then I went back on the pill and I've been on it since I came off last year. And since then, I decided that I had enough. I had bleeding nonstop for six weeks on and off. It was driving me crazy. And then I got COVID and I wasn't really sure what my cycle was like. It started off like 28 days yeah progressively when you you thought everything was fine I was like wow this is great I'm a normal person I get a 28 day cycle and then progressively they got longer so we both have the app flow which we yes we do we actually really love we do we do we couldn't rave more highly about flow 
it's easy for us to just skim over things because we already have the base knowledge of knowing sort of what it means if we have a late period or anything. But I think we take for granted that that app has so much information on it. So, so much. It's got great resources for if you are late for your period, well, you go into the grey area and you and I sat there just comparing <laughs> how many days in the, the grey are you? <laughs> because it pops up with like this little grey bubble to say that you're this many days late for your period or whatever. And every single time it questions you as to whether you're pregnant or not. But it not only that, also gives you options as to why else you might be late for your period. Exactly. And so it's a and great why you resource. should get checked. It tells yeah. you to go see a doctor. Yeah, it does. Like, it this does. could be one of the things that you're suffering from. Go get that checked. Yeah. So, so we really love the app. Yeah, we do. <laughs> You can't tell. (laughs) And there's heaps of apps out there. So there is, you know, that's not the only one, but um, yeah, couldn't rate that more highly. No, (laughs) we couldn't. Got distracted. Um, So (laughs) yeah, with the app, um, I guess, yeah, cycles kept getting longer, quite irregular. I also got quite up into like the 51 day mark and Mm. was just like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, And then my skin as well started to break out and I did have bouts throughout my teenage years and then my early 20s where I probably complained about it more than it actually was a bad thing. Like this has just been a lot more than I really expected at this age of my life. Your skin, yeah. Yeah, to be battling with. It's a funny thing, you know, I think for both of us, when we came off the pill, we didn't expect to go through that whole phase of you don't expect the breakouts to make you feel really self-conscious and and that sort of thing. And I know for me, it was a really weird space to be in because you're trying to do the right thing by coming off the pill, but then it comes with so many annoying (laughs) side effects like your skin breaking out and that sort of thing. And it makes you just want to put the bandaid back on and go back on it because that's, it's really good at what it does, which, you know, and that's fine if you do want to go back on it. But I think, yeah, coming off it to learn about your body and then having all the things that you don't want to happen happen makes it really, really vulnerable. And, you know, it's something that definitely we we both struggled with. I know that I am, I'm not really a person who's dealt with a lot of self-conscious issues I've been really lucky but then I was in a situation where I never used to wear makeup to work and I was literally wearing makeup every time I left the house and I was like who am I like (laughs) I don't even know this person because when you're a teenager and you all have breakouts and the rest of it you know we know that that's what happens through puberty that's just part of it and so all your friends are going through it maybe that makes you feel a bit more comfortable but when you you know you're at an age that we're both at and that's happening it really throws you because I think the older you get the the less you worry about those issues but then to feel really self-conscious again it it was very strange very strange at this age yeah so yeah that's been a lot but I guess I was lucky enough that in my job I got to do a fertility check so I signed up for that and that's when I found out through the blood tests and the internal ultrasound that I have a higher AMH level which for your age for my age yeah um and lots of follicles on my ovaries which was a shock because yes yeah. which basically means lots of eggs lots of eggs yeah not necessarily good eggs no we don't know we don't know we don't know the quality, know the quality. <laughs> <laughs> we know that in this job we yeah. don't know that until they're harvested basically yeah we'll go into that <laughs> we though. will but yeah basically i found that out and that's where we're both and I guess now yeah. Lucy ended up doing an internal ultrasound and yes. we were yep. pretty much... We were pretty much exactly identical. It yep. was so weird. So, so yeah. yeah, so that's our journey. Um, I think we'll, we'll touch on it a lot more when we break down all the different topics that we want to cover. But that's where we're at. So 
I'm just trying to figure out what's the best form of contraception <laughs> for me. And you're in a situation where it's do you go back onto something for contraception because you you're in a relationship, but also at the same time, you've got to start making some serious decisions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. hard for you to figure out what to do in between. Exactly. Yeah. That's where we're at. I reckon that makes up for a pretty long episode. (laughs) Agree. (laughs) But we are hopefully going to release episodes fortnightly at this stage. That's just a quick snapshot of us. Well, kind of a long one. (laughs) (laughs) I think we'll leave it there, but we're super excited to get episodes out to you all. And just a note on that as well, as you know, we do have the medical background behind us, but obviously we don't know everything. We understand everyone's bodies and experiences are different, and we are looking forward to talking to people who have had all different experiences. Also, we are very new to this, so we are a little technologically challenged, so please be kind. (laughs) We'll see you soon. (laughs) We'll speak to you soon. You'll hear our voices soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.